0: You're listening to Mastering Money, where we explore the many aspects of good financial decision-making. I'm Doretta Thompson, financial literacy leader for Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. We provide no-cost programs and free online resources that help Canadians own their finances and learn the language of money. This season, we're focusing on women and money. Why? because numerous studies in Canada and around the world have shown a consistent gender gap in financial literacy. But recent studies have also shown that confidence plays a significant role and that women, in fact, know more than they think they do and that financial literacy education makes a big difference. It has never been more important for women to understand and take charge of their financial futures. Women live longer than men and over their lifetimes make less money and accumulate less wealth. And COVID has disproportionately driven women from the workforce. Financial decisions matter at every stage of a woman's life. And this season we'll be taking a closer look at those decisions and how women can confidently prepare themselves to own their financial futures. Today, we're happy to have Lisa Zimpara with us. Lisa is a CPA, CA, financial strategist, lifestyle optimist, and founder of The Wealth Company. Lisa's here to help us address the gender gap between men and women when it comes to investing and risk and shed some light on what women can do to be more confident in these areas. Lisa, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you today.
0: Me too. We know from the studies that the biggest gender gap is in the area of investment and risk. So such an important topic for us. But before we begin, tell us a little bit about you and your career.
1: Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I'm a CPA. I've worked as an accountant for almost all of my career. I knew from a pretty young age that I wanted to work in finance and money, and I'll share a little bit more about that piece of the story later on. But uh, in the last couple of years, I've actually left the corporate accounting world and I've started my own boutique accounting firm called The Wealth Company. I spell wealth W-E-L-L-T-H because over the course of my life, I've come to believe that our money and wealth can and should be used to support our overall well-being in a positive way. And that's something that I try to infuse into my work and my personal life. At The Wealth Company, we provide tax, bookkeeping, and CFO services, but what I like to think that we really do is help our clients feel more confident about managing their money and their taxes.
0: That's wonderful. When we talk about women and investing, et cetera, what do you think big picture is a really good time that we should start thinking about investing?
1: I like to think about that quote about the, when's a good time to plant an oak tree? You know, the best time is 10 years ago and the next best time is now. That's sort of how I feel about the investing question. In my own story, I actually started thinking about investing as young as, I think I was in grade four or grade five. My uncle gave me a book called, my kids are gonna be rich and yours will too. And it was essentially a book about compounding interest, which is one of the mathematical concepts around how our money grows passively. And I really liked math and numbers as a young kid and looking at the tables about how, you know, if you invest $20 a week, starting from when you're 18, you can be a millionaire by the time you're 50. That math was really fascinating to me. So I had the idea of thinking about investing and what it could do for me at a very young age. But the gap for me was that I didn't actually do anything about it. I didn't start investing until late into my 20s. It's an interesting thing where sometimes you can be thinking about it and know what the right thing to do is. But from my perspective, it's really important to have the confidence to take action.
0: Confidence is so important and I'd like to explore that a little Mm -hmm. bit, that gap between understanding something and actually doing it. Compounding is such a powerful concept and I think a lot of people understand generally that you invest something, it makes money and then the next year that is also making money for you. It accumulates that way. For you personally and for what you see, what does that gap look like between like understanding the basics and that actually taking that step to investment.
1: Yeah, the how is very complicated in today's world. There's so many different options and avenues for how you can start investing, whether you're going to do it yourself, use an online advisor, hire someone to do it for you. Are you going to invest in individual stocks or use funds and then within funds like there's different options? There's a lot of stuff going on out there. So I think generally what I see in the, the confidence gap is also like an overwhelm of, I don't know where to start. How do I get started? I know what I should be doing, but I don't know what that looks
0: like. I think um, what we're seeing is that for a lot of women, there's a really deep discomfort about investing. They mm-hmm. may be very good at saving but taking that next step and one of the things we know you know that continuum of building from financial literacy knowledge to competence to confidence and then to well-being there is a kind of road and development that happens there and taking those first steps and practicing the decision-making until you're really confident can be a huge Mm game-changer. So do you see that, and how do you see women kind of helping themselves move along that continuum?
1: Yeah, I see a lot of women asking for help. The number of inquiries that I've received, actually, in the last couple months about personal financial planning has been a lot more than what I've seen in the last few years. I don't know what's going on in the timing of this. But I'm seeing a lot of women reaching out to me to say, hey, I'm either starting my career, I'm starting to make some money, and I'd like some guidance on how to make smart decisions, or we're about to have a child and we want to get our finances in order, or I'm shifting my relationship status and now I'm on my own and I need to take something over that I've never done before. How do I do that in a way that I can feel good about it? There's a lot of different reasons why women are asking for help, but that's where I see the commonality is recognizing that there are people out there who can help guide you through that process. And I'm a big believer in the coaching and consulting and asking for that kind of support. I do it in lots of different facets of my own life as well.
0: I also wonder if one of the things that's going on is we see this real diversity in what's happened to people suffering through COVID. We know that women have been disproportionately affected, particularly women with children, people when child care, children being at home, etc. But we also have this situation where many people have been fortunate enough to have the kind of jobs that they could move home that are suddenly working virtually. And The savings rates have gone through the roof and Mm -hmm. suddenly the people who are fortunate in this position have more savings than they've ever had before. And we see Mm -hmm. that in the national saving rate change, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if there's an extent to which, oh, my heavens, I have this money now. What do I do with it? Mm -hmm. If that's part of what's going on, too.
1: And that's such a wonderful problem to have.
0: Some women we know are discomfortable. It's wonderful that they're looking for help. It's really interesting. There was a study done not very long ago, and and one of the things we know is that women are actually much more likely to admit they don't know something and ask for help than men are, who are more likely to be actually overconfident in their basic knowledge and ability to make decisions. What advice would you offer to a woman who's ready to make that leap? Where do you start?
1: Yeah, it can definitely be overwhelming looking at all of the different options of where you can find your information. And something that I've found helpful for myself is to start with a list of criteria of the things that are important for me or how I'm going to filter that information. Whether it's you want to be learning from somebody local, if you want one-on-one support versus group support, do you prefer live learning versus a book? Make a list of three to five criteria of the kind of way that you want to consume that information. And then pop into Google. And then in the research phase, I also find it helpful to give myself a time limit to say, I'm going to look this up for 45 minutes, compile a list of the different options. And then I'm going to stop and assess my list and go from there. Decision fatigue or like option overwhelm, I think is a real thing. And we could research things until into perpetuity before we start taking action. And I think the action piece is really important when it comes to investing and to practicing these new skills that we're trying to learn.
0: Right. So what kind of variable should people be looking at in terms of investment options? Because I think a lot of people are frightened and they like the security of, or they understand the idea Mm. of money in the bank. But sometimes, especially given what interest rates are right now, money in the bank may not be your best option.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of different ways that you can start investing. And I think the way that I would start is by looking at options that don't require a lot of your input and time to manage it especially if you're not feeling super confident something there where you can start with a more set it and forget it kind of method like an online advisor one of the really popular ones is wealth simple you could start with something simple (laughs) simple like that and to your point right about practicing get started make one decision see how it goes and you can always build from there i think Sometimes I find myself doing this, if a decision feels really big and overwhelming, I will avoid making any sort of move until I feel that I've understood all of the pieces and it's all working together. But I also think the best way to learn and understand things is through the doing. So there will be a period of time as you're starting your investing journey that's going to feel uncomfortable and it's going to feel confusing and overwhelming. But if you acknowledge that that's just the first days of it and and understand it's okay that it's going to feel that way and that you will come out the other side feeling better I think you've got to just start get going
0: that worked for you (laughs) I mean you talked about how you understood these basic concepts but Mm. you never actually did it Mm -hmm. so looking back at your own experience with this what did that look like that you didn't actually do it what was going through your head and what did it take to help you move to that next step
1: It's an interesting thing to think about. Back in my teens, I was really good at earning money. I was very entrepreneurial. So the cash flow in wasn't really a problem, but I spent a lot and I never took the step of opening up an investing account and starting to invest. And as I think about why, why, what was the block? It was probably that I didn't actually know how to do it. And I felt embarrassed to ask being so young. I think maybe I would have felt judged at the bank of maybe I'd be told you're too young to do this. You don't need to do this. Why are you worrying about it? I think there was that fear of judgment. And if I were to go back and give my younger self advice, it would be kind of what I've just said here. It's it's gonna feel confusing and uncomfortable, but you're not gonna regret asking the quote unquote dumb questions because you're gonna get answers and you're going to be more confident. It wasn't actually until I was in my 20s two years into my first job that I finally made that appointment at the bank. And it was a bit funny being a CPA. I think we can think that CPAs understand everything about money and taxes, but I was very early on in my career and I was still very naive about money. And I remember very clearly the appointment with the financial advisor at my bank and I wanted to invest in a mutual fund because I'd heard that was a great, sort of like the advice I'm giving here, it's a great passive way to start investing. But I'd also heard about fees and MERs. And I wanted to understand how that worked before I made my first investment. And when I asked the financial advisor about the MER, she said, oh, I don't really know how that's calculated. Let's look it up. And she went onto Google and typed in, how is the MER calculated? And that was a really interesting experience for two reasons. One, because I realized I'm not the only one that doesn't understand this. And if the person at the bank who's supposed to be selling me this doesn't understand it, it's really probably not a stupid question that I'm asking. And not silly that I don't understand it. And two, It's okay to Google stuff. (laughs) It's a great resource for us to learn.
0: I know it's a bit of an aphorism, but you know, there's a lot of truth that the only stupid question is the one you don't ask. It's a really interesting thing, though, that getting that first step and taking that first step to invest. Now, one of the concepts that's very connected to investments, and that when you work with a financial advisor or at the bank or whatever, is they need to do these risk assessments, your attitude to risk, etc. And that is one of the areas that we know that women feel less confident. Can you explain for our listeners a little bit about what risk is and how to think about risk and understand your own risk profile?
1: When I think about risk, it's you know the the potential for loss and the potential for gain. There's two sides to that coin. And sometimes we can connotate the word risk with loss, meaning if something is risky, we're going to lose money in it. But that's not necessarily true. So that's one thing that I would think about with risk. And then when it comes to investing, it's also important to understand the two types of risk. There's your ability to tolerate risk and your willingness. And ability is really a time frame question of how long is your money going to be invested and how much opportunity will it have to bounce back if things don't go the way that's planned. So that's more of a mathematical time bound question. The other piece of it is your willingness for it or how you feel about risk, and that's the very personal component that will be a different answer for each individual person. So I like to start the risk conversation around the mathematical logical one because it gets us comfortable. We're not talking about anything that's too vulnerable. It's just the facts of how long will this money be invested. Therefore, you know, it can tolerate this much risk. Now let's talk about how you feel about that. And What was going to cause you to lose sleep at night versus what's going to help you feel at peace?
0: That's a really helpful distinction, that kind of logical model versus how you feel about it, brain and heart, if you'd like.
1: For me, at least, I feel there's usually a logical component and a heart-centered approach, too. And to have the total picture of the wellness and the wealth, you have to look at both.
0: In terms of understanding risk and your own attitudes toward risk and that sort of mind-heart distinction, are there any generalizations one can make or is risk really all that personal?
1: I think the generalization is around the time frame of how long your money can be invested. And that's something that the more that you educate yourself about investments, the more you'll understand the mathematical truth to that, looking at how the stock market grows and shrinks in cycles, that there will always be downturns and crashes and there will always be rebounds and really good years. So there's that component to it that is true for everyone who's invested in the stock market, but how we respond to those ups and downs is deeply personal. And it's affected by our own life experience, our beliefs about money and investing and risk, and you know potentially even our, our confidence in ourselves and the decisions that we make.
0: So really that high risk, high reward kind of approach really is not for everybody.
1: No, it's not because it, it really depends on your goals and how you define success. If success is making the most amount of money that you can in the shortest time frame, sure, high risk, high reward probably is the path you need to go. But if success is I'd like to retire in you know 20 years and be able to sleep at night not worrying that I'm going to lose 50% of my investments, then that model isn't a good fit for you
0: when you think about how women approach their finances investing etc what are some of the common mistakes do you think that women make
1: I definitely see a lot of cash cash is our, our comfort blanket that you know we like you said we understand it we can see it in the bank and we know that it's there but what a lot of women people in general I think might not understand is that cash if our interest rate is not growing at the same rate as inflation is actually losing money every year so it's actually a very sure way to lose money versus investing in diversified funds that will grow over time so i think that very first foundational principle is an important misconception an important thing to educate yourself on to help you get over any sort of discomfort you have maybe with taking on even a little bit of risk
0: What are some good alternatives then for that traditional low risk, low return savings account?
1: Absolutely. I mentioned Wealthsimple. I think that the world of online advisors has really opened up investing and do it yourself to the general population. And that's What I would recommend somebody who's looking to get out of just a savings account, a high interest savings account, wants to get into the stock market to work with either an online advisor or to hire an investing coach. And there's lots of people out there with great qualifications and a passion for helping you learn how to do it yourself.
0: Do you have any advice for how to pick an advisor?
1: Sure. I think the two main things I would look for are the qualifications to make sure this person knows what they're doing. So I'd look for designations that make sense like the certified financial planner. I think there's also the certified investment manager. Look for some sort of training that they've done that qualifies them to give you this advice. I'd also then in that thread look at you know testimonials and track records of people that they've worked with and are their clients happy. But I'd also make sure from the softer side that it feels like the right personality fit, that the person that you're working with understands you or tries to understand you and isn't giving you a one size fits all solution, but wants to understand your personal goals, your personal preferences, your own willingness to take on risk and helps you design something that's right for you. I think, especially when it comes to money, if you feel uncomfortable with the person who's meant to be giving you advice and you feel shy to ask questions, that's probably a sign that it's not the right fit for you and to keep looking.
0: That's really good advice. One of the things that you mentioned earlier is that you're getting a lot of requests now for financial planning advice from women in various sort of life stages, if you like, changing relationships, having a family, etc. Do you have any particular advice for women to get off on the right foot, to own their own finances within a relationship, either a new relationship or established relationship. Often patterns form of one person assuming responsibility for one thing and the other person in a couple assuming responsibility for others and what the data shows is that often the man will take that role in a traditional relationship and women never get the opportunity to practice those decisions, to keep learning about it, etc. So do you have any particular advice about that, about getting started on the right foot within a relationship or getting onto that right foot where you understand what's happening with your money? Yeah, I
1: think that starting with an open conversation is a great way to start to become more involved in the family finances if you're not already. Just letting your partner know that it's something that you're interested in and seeing it as a project that you're going to work on together. Being married for a number of years now, I know it's fun to have something new to work on with my spouse, whether it's planning a vacation or, you know, we've just had kids and, you know, planning how our life is going to change with them. So, adding money into that bucket of talking about what are our goals as a couple for the next few years, and how are we going to align our budget and our investing decisions to make those goals happen? It can be a really fun conversation. It can also be really stressful. So I think another aspect to consider is where you're at in your relationship in terms of communication. And is that a conversation that you feel comfortable having? And if not, again, it it might be wise to seek some professional counseling around how to have that conversation as a couple.
0: It's interesting, that point about aligning goals, talking about money, be sure that you're aligned in these things, is a theme that's really been emerging in these conversations we've been having through this whole series about really understanding what your values are, prioritizing your values, and then working towards it. Um, And we know that money conversations can be very difficult, but as you say, they can also be really rewarding so lisa before we go i have one final question for you if you could what advice would you give your younger self
1: that's a great question i've said Earlier when we talked about my younger self who knew about investing and didn't take the action, that's the advice that I would give myself is go out and ask the silly questions and take the risk of feeling vulnerable. We've talked about risk in the context of investments and finances, but risk in the broader sense of our life, the risk of being vulnerable, I think, is at the root of a lot of our analysis paralysis or, you know, not taking an action step. And so, I look back to my younger self and think if I had taken that risk at that time, what other risks would I have taken? What other silly questions would I have asked that would have accelerated my growth at a younger age? And on that thread, thinking about what would Lisa 10 years from now, what advice would she give to me? I think that that advice probably still rings true that there are very likely some questions that I'm not asking or things that I'm feeling uncomfortable about that I you know, could put myself out there a bit more.
0: I think that's advice that anybody can give their younger self. (laughs) And imagine what our future, I hadn't thought about it like that before, but imagine what our future selves would tell us right now about being brave and taking calculated risks. Mm -hmm. Lisa, thanks so much for being with us today.
1: You're welcome. It was my pleasure.
0: You've been listening to Mastering Money from Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. You can click to resources mentioned in this episode in the description for this podcast in your podcast app. And please write and review us. And if you'd like to get in touch, our emails financialliteracy at cpacanada.ca. This season is made possible by the generous support of our national development sponsor, Canada Life. And please note, the views expressed by our guests are theirs alone and not necessarily the views of CPA Canada. This is a recorded podcast. The information presented is current as of the date of recording. New and changing government legislations and programs may have come into effect since the recording date. Please seek additional professional advice or information before acting on any podcast information. Be well, be kind, and remember to empower and support the women in your life.